Hello, you're listening to Get Mouthy, the podcast from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Michelle Vickers. Join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked in one way or another in the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So hello, my next guest is Darren Wilkinson, who was diagnosed with aminoblastoma that had been growing in his jaw for actually over 20 years and um, slipped under the radar. Um, Darren, to his credit, is now petitioning to create change in the dental space and offer the option for all dental patients to take an x-ray to detect these tumours earlier. Um, So thanks for coming on, Darren. It's really good to see you again and speak to you again. How have you been doing? How are things going? Um, things are not too bad. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way to recovery, but there's um, there's still quite a, a bit of the journey left yeah. to go. I've, I've still still have problems with my eating due to um, what they call a, a fibrous tissue buildup at the bottom of my mouth, where you know we're not having any bottom teeth. You can't eat properly, so. You tend to get like a, a big afterbite all the time. Yeah. So I end up having to suck my food rather than eat it, eat it. which limits, you know, what I can eat. Mm. Um, and the fibrous tissue, it does, it does feel as if there's always something in my mouth and it's restricting me from eating. So what my surgeon intends to do is to basically um, lance it off yeah. by bur- burning it all off. Yeah. Um, so then it becomes flat, which will allow the next stage for the um, for the implants. Yeah. Um, you know, the stalks at least. Yeah. And then um, hopefully uh, some plastic surgery, as I've still got a, a neck wound that um, that keeps wanting to open itself up. Yeah. Gosh. But once this you is... get your head around it, yeah. you know, some days are better than others, obviously. Yeah, I think... This sort of journey, the journey's similar to, with everybody, but everybody has different elements of it every time oh, I speak yeah. to anybody. So just to sort of take it back for people who are listening. So just take us back through your story, like when you were first diagnosed and how actually your tumour was found. Uh, well, basically, I um, just enrolled myself at, uh, at my local dentist because I hadn't been for a long time due to... Uh, having had a phobia of them, um, and obviously thinking that because I never got any jawache or toothache that my teeth were fairly strong. Um, and that's so I enrolled for the, um, the one day. I went to see my dentist who started out with a general checkup and uh, found one of my, um, one of my lower uh, front teeth was quite loose. So she said, well, might as well take that out while we're here, which she did. She talked to me all the way through, which was quite calming, and I, you know, sort of got used to it. And then she suddenly stopped with the um, the words that nobody wants to hear, with um, "Oh, what have we got here?" sort of thing. Mm. And when I asked her what she was looking at, she said she didn't know. She said it was like a, um, it looked like an ulcer or an abscess. But uh, to be on the safe side, she wanted to take an X-ray to um, to get it checked out. And, uh, and, you know, try and make sure it wasn't anything serious. Mm. So I had an x-ray at the surgery, and uh, and then she said she would send the um, 
the results on to um, a specialist, you know, to determine whether it was an abscess or, an, or, a, um, or something else. Um, and that was in April 2019. And I got to hear from the Charles Clifford Hospital in August 2019. Wow. So I had nearly four or five months just waiting, kept rigging them up. And what were you thinking in that time? Had anyone mentioned cancer to you? You or were you just thinking it was like an abscess or something like that? Nobody mentioned cancer. I didn't have any pain as such. Um, didn't have any jaw ache, which are generally the things that you would go to the dentist with. So of course, you know, it wasn't a case of no deals was good deals. It was a case of no deals and and were it sick. Mm. So I kept ringing them up and they were like, well, we haven't got anything to tell you at the moment, but uh, as soon as we do, you'll be the first to know. And that was pretty much all the summer of 2019, just um, waking up every day thinking when I was going to get a phone call. And so when, so then you did get the phone call? I did get the phone call in August um, saying that um, they were referring me to um, the Charles Clifford Hospital to um, to see a specialist. And when we eventually got to see him in the December, he um, he uh, told me that uh, I had a melblastoma. And had you ever heard of anything? Have you had you ever heard about anything like that? No, prior to seeing my surgeon, my um, specialist had gone through a couple of biopsies. So obviously, the more work you have done, the more you you start to think the worst. Mm-hmm. More teeth were extracted, and this was before I'd even been told about the melblastoma, so I wasn't feeling at my best. And when he um, turned around and said, you know, we, um, we've got good news and we've got bad news, the, the good news is it's not cancer, but the bad news is it's, um, it's a very aggressive tumour that we need to um, sort out straight away. Mm. And the only way that we can get it is to um, remove it all in one go, but given the fact that it's taken over your entire jaw, you're going to lose at least 90% of your jaw, plus um, pretty much all of the bottom teeth that are remaining, which was about 16. Wow. And, uh, you know, basically I just wanted the floor to open up yeah. and swarm uh, it. Just didn't know what to do. No. And did, what did you do? Like, what... I mean, I'm, I can't... Well... I say I can't imagine, but I actually get phone calls from people who who are just exactly in your position. Mm. I had a phone call from a guy the other night, and he had literally just come back from hospital and heard that, and he 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 just didn't know where to start or you know what to do. But I'm guessing it's like really, how were you feeling at that point? I I was feeling numb, but I did what everybody would do when they get bad news, and that's go home and Google it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just coming out as, you know, one of the rarest um, of the jaw tumours affecting, you know, for somebody of my age and my my um, ethnicity, it was coming out at uh, one in um, every five million people. Yeah. Um, for a male in his 50s to get uh, a melblastoma. Yeah. And um, some, you know, smaller than others, some on the top, uh, some on the lower. Yeah. Um, but the only way to treat it is with aggressive surgery. Mm. And I was given several options. 
which I still think I chose the wrong option, but I was driven to the, the one that was going to get me back to normality mm. um, quicker than the, uh, the second one. And that was the, uh, the distraction osteogenesis, where I was informed I would be in hospital for five to 10 days, back at work in three months. That was May 2020. And I've um, since lost my job um, because obviously work won't hold it for over two years. Yeah. So it's coming up to two years. At the, the initial point of when the lockdown started in 2020 was when I went off sick to await my operation. So um, not to go into massive detail, but in terms of the timeline of your journey, I'll come back, I want to talk to you about your work, but in terms of the timeline of your journey, where are you at on it? How much longer have you got of surgery ahead of you i my, my surgeon said that we're probably looking at the next month or two to go in and have the um the debulking and the implants started hmm. and then he'll he'll look at um you know the plastic surgery to come later or he might do everything in one go i just don't know yeah. It depends on the health of the person, the, the patient at the time, and I am a lot healthier than I was. Yeah. Um, but obviously my job couldn't be kept open for at least another nine months, which is mm. what we sort of anticipate yeah. from start to finish. So in the beginning, when this first happened, were your work sort of sympathetic and it, it all seemed like when you thought it was just going to be well, you know, that long a treatment? I've been with the company for over 23 years, so they knew that um, if I was going to be off, it would have to be with something serious. Yeah. Mm. And they were very supportive following my journey as it started and progressed. And then, obviously, things got a little bit more serious as the months went by. And and, um, and then when um, you know, I, I sort of informed them that I have to be honest, I have to turn around and say at the moment, I, I'm i not able to do the job that I'm being paid to do, that I was paid to do. Um, so I have to stay off to keep myself safe. Yeah. Because I work with vulnerable adults and therefore they're vulnerable, I'm vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they were brilliant. But yeah. uh, it just got to the point, coming up to two years, that they could no longer keep the post open. And so when do you think, when are you hoping that you will be back at work? I want to go back to work. You know, that is my um, my intention, to work towards going back. And when my surgeon says that I'm fit enough to go back, that's when I'll um, I'll hopefully, you know, get myself a job again. Yeah, well, good luck on, on that. Um, any changes now that you'd like to see in the dental industry in terms of picking this type of cancer up? Since we, since we started the petition, it, the, the general census is that people have gone through the same thing on a, on diff, like I say, different levels. But it's all about the x-rays. The x-rays are the only thing that will pick up the ameloblastoma because it's needed to then go on to the biopsies. And the biopsies are the one things that lead to the final diagnosis. Mm. So... If I'd have left it at, oh, it's only an abscess or, you know, it's only an ulcer, um, 
and treated it for that, then I would still be living with um, a potentially life-threatening uh, tumour. Gosh. Because although a male blastoma is classed as benign, if the margins are not got in one go with aggressive surgery, then it can metastasize and spread. Yeah. So um, any yeah. advice to listeners who are out there who have found any signs of concern, what do you think they should be doing? If you're unsure about anything to do with your jaw, your neck, your head, um, and you want to get it sorted, go and see the dentist. Go and see a doctor. Get it checked out. Tell people the same thing. A lot of people have survived the blastoma and the um, you know the the drastic diagnosis because they were given an X-ray at the dentist. Yeah, thank you so much, Darren. Um, I wish you well on your journey, and it's brilliant to have you on board and be be working with you going forward. And I look forward to your recovery you. and tracking I, you through I that. To, I just want to finish, um, Michelle, saying that we we do appreciate that everybody's diagnosis is different, mm. and you know, it, I was I was fortunate enough for my dentist to realise that there was something a bit uh, out of the ordinary mm. and to, to offer the x-ray at the time. I yeah. know some dentists do, but we also know that a lot of dentists don't. And, you know, if it's about further dental um, practitioners having more training on what to pick up on or what to look for, then, um, you know, if we can make a difference to one person, then it's worth it, surely. Absolutely. And I should... Yeah, sorry, I was going to mention that. But um, we that's something we absolutely support. At the moment, um, dentists do check your mouth, but they don't tell you that they're checking your mouth. And um, no. we really, as a charity, one of our, our goals is to get dentists to explain to people what it is they're doing. So one is that it raises awareness of oral cancers, but two, that you know you're being checked for it as well. So thanks ever so much, Darren, for your time. Um, and just to let everybody know that um, Darren was talking about, you know, um, checking your mouth to find out what's healthy. We've got a fantastic little video on our website, um, www.hncf.org.uk. And there's a little video there which shows you how to check your mouth, what's healthy. If you know what's healthy, then you know what's not. So um, please do check out that video. And also, please uh, sign Darren's petition to get these x-rays and get these tumours detected earlier. And you can sign Darren's petition by searching Darren Wilkinson on change.org. Thank you. Hello. So today I'm talking with Vivek Gupta, who is our GP ambassador. um, And he's doing some amazing things in the world of head and neck cancer. And I know that you've recently qualified, is that right? Yeah, hi Michelle, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Yes, that's correct, I have uh, recently qualified, uh, coming up to two months now. Um, So a very exciting time um, for for myself, actually, uh, having qualified recently. And how did you find the training? It's fantastic, yeah, it was really supportive. So I I, I trained in uh, in the Newham, in Newham, in East London, um, and I had a really supportive uh, training scheme, had got exposed to lots of different uh, types of pathology and a good mix of kind of um, environments in which I trained. So yeah, so it's um, been, been a real uh, significant learning curve for myself, uh, yeah. finishing the training and uh, progressing onwards now. 
Were you, do you do your training with lots of people? Is there lots of you training all at the same time? Yeah, so actually, so um, typically, the, I, well, I, when I did it, uh, the GP training is three years um, after, so this is after you've uh, obviously finished medical school and done your foundation training. Um, and in, in kind of in the total year group of, comprising the three years, there were about 50 uh, uh, GP trainees across the different stages of the training. Some are in hospitals, some are in GP practices. Um, so yeah, so it's quite nice to get to know people and um, and uh, and make some friends. I'm just asking you that because I know recently uh, there's been some recent analysis from the BMA saying that there are now, uh, now uh, uh, 1,800 fewer GP, mm. full, full, uh, full-time qualified GPs than there were mm. back in 2015. Um, I guess you weren't around, they weren't doing this in 2015, mm. but I just wondered if that's something that you've all noticed. Um, I think definitely, you know, working in GP practices, um, you do feel a lot of pressure. Um, often there are more appointments and I'm sure even patients would, you know, obviously say themselves that there are um, more appointments needed. Um, but unfortunately, because of the amount of GPs, um, you know, it can be a bit of a weight, which can be difficult for patients and for the GPs as well. Mm. Um, so I suppose, you know, we are trying to do the best we can and trying to catch up where, where possible. Um, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult times, mm. I guess. So you think the lockdown has impacted then on your role and colleagues and for patients? I mean, yeah, so the lockdown was definitely very difficult and we had to adjust a lot um, to the type of... Um, uh, to how we conducted our uh, consultation. So obviously there was a massive shift, as I'm sure everybody's aware, away from the face-to-face to uh, telephone appointments. Now that is obviously can be challenging, not just for the patient, but for the GP, yeah. because you're trying to um, make diagnosis um, and management plans uh, based on kind of the symptoms of the patient's describing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works and, you know, it, it, it can be very effective and something which I think is a great idea moving forward. Yeah. But obviously it can be, pose challenges um, when you are dealing with more complex cases and kind of especially with elderly and frail individuals it can be a bit more complex yeah, so difficult. yeah and so have you seen um what sort of do you see are you seeing people with cancers are you what sort of cancers are people approaching you with yeah so um no, that's a really good question and I think you know so cancers and the diagnosis of cancer is it can be quite challenging but also a lot is picked up on kind of surveillance and public awareness so often we may have patients coming to us concerned for example that you know they maybe were concerned they may have signs of prostate cancer they may have signs of stomach cancer for example um you know someone presents with um symptoms such as you know blood in the stool we obviously look at things that we need to do to make sure that we rule out cancer as a priority mm. um, and often we need to look at the type of investigations we're offering make sure that we're being very efficient with what we're offering and making sure that as a priority we are ruling that as a number one um, so, you know, even this morning, I referred somebody uh, to who I was concerned may have shown signs of a, of a stomach cancer. So I referred them for a two week pathway uh, to get that ruled out. Um, I also looked at, you know, had somebody ring me today concerned about their prostate. Yeah. Um, and this is just for my morning clinic, for example. So these are all kind of discussions that we have with our patients. Of how should we investigate? Is it appropriate to investigate? And what the kind of next step is. So it's something that we are constantly looking out for. Yeah. So can I just ask you, why did you, why were you willing to come and help us, support us at the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation? So um, 
I mean, yeah, this is a really good question. And I think, um, unfortunately, it is because of personal experience, which uh, led me um, and directed me to your foundation, which I think does fantastic work. And it's really much, in my personal opinion, I think is really needed. Um, so unfortunately, um, my mother was uh, diagnosed uh, with a cancer in her mouth um, last year. And um, it's not something which I, to be honest, had had known, known much about. And I think, it maybe reflects some of the training that we receive. Um, I mean, her story was is that she was under the uh, hospital doctor specifically looking at something called lichen planus um, for kind of burning and itching sensations in her mouth. I mean, she was discharged um, and so, uh, and she continued to have those sensations, which we thought was expected. Um, you know, she kind of had received the diagnosis, but unfortunately um, symptoms progressed. I mean, she didn't really know that what she developed what could have been a sign of cancer so she kept complaining to me i'm having burning sensations and i said well you've been seen by the hospital uh so you know this is in keeping with that yeah. um but unfortunately did she developed an ulcer in her mouth and it's only after a couple of months that actually she told me oh i have an ulcer in my mouth and i said okay that's i did not know that so <laughs> i went in and i had a look and i said look this needs to get seen urgently mm-hmm. um and i suppose you know that kind of that bit of the story kind of highlighted to me that actually look there's maybe some you know room there for patients to be made more aware about what they need to look out for yeah um, you know just to be made aware that actually look if you do develop an ulcer in your mouth or if you do develop some sort some sort of change in your mouth that needs to be seen yeah I think that's you've touched on things that are so important to us at the charity and one is I guess what the most important one for me really is patient awareness where it's just that thing of um almost being part of the diagnosis team right from the beginning that you know that this is out there and you know you're not alone everybody I speak to sort of says I haven't really heard much about if they've heard about it at all most of them say haven't really heard about this cancer um and then the other thing I, I quite often get is um I went to my doctor and I had an ulcer and the doctor said, you've got an, it's just a mouth ulcer sort of thing. So there's the two things, there's the patient, but also there's the GP as well. Um, And to be fair to all extents and purposes, it is an, that's what it looks like. It looks like a mouth ulcer. So we always say to people, you know, if that ulcer doesn't go away in like four weeks, you need to go back and keep going back and saying, this is something else um, other than that. So obviously we're really keen you know, one is for just to get the message out there that this cancer yeah. is out there and it's it's great, it's increasing, but also um, getting where you fit in with us beautifully yes. is actually just raising awareness in yeah. GPs. I mean, I went to my dentist recently and he was, he, because he knew what I do, he sort of said, um, told me that he was doing a check and everything. And, he, and then he started going through some of the oral cancers. And I, I mean, mm. I'm not a medic, but obviously I do know about them. And he said, oh, I'm glad I've remembered what I learned, you know, when I was studying. And I kind of thought, well, is that I mean, how many dentists have not studied for a long time? You know, so how many dentists and doctors are up with what is the latest information? And for GPs, what's the latest um, sort of options? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in your mind, what do you think patients can do to help them? Um, Yeah. Yeah, what do you think they should be yeah. doing? No, I think look, I think you touched on some really important points, and I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. So I think you know there's two there's two sides to this: is the patient awareness, but also the medical awareness as well. Um, and so um, you know, definitely, 
some of the things that I think need to be worked on and looked at is probably the examination of the mouth. Um, and it's not something which from a, from a medical uh, training is actually done as routine or standard. So um, oral examinations, um, as per my training throughout medical school and um, throughout my GP training, um, was not something that we really touched upon. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, um, firstly, from the patient awareness point of view, yes, we need to be, um, you know, talking to patients, making them aware that exactly as you said, safety, what we call safety netting. So, you know, if something hasn't got better, you come back to us looking out for the signs of a, some sort of change in the mouth, any ulcer, any skin change, anything that feels abnormal, any change in sensation, all those kind of things are really important. Um, and, and giving patients the empowerment that actually it is okay to go see your GP or your dentist if you're not sure, and actually voicing to your GP or your dentist, look, I am actually genuinely concerned that this could be something sinister and getting them to look at and, and take that forward. And I suppose the second part of that journey is actually empowering GPs and medical professionals um, to be confident that actually, look, you know, um, this is something which is concerning. Um, and, you know, looking at, and I think teaching uh, GPs and uh, medical professionals generally about how to conduct mouth examinations, I think is really, really important. Yeah. Um, and I was quite uh, privileged to have, um, when I made contact with the foundation, to have be able to organise a lecture, uh, which um, the founder of your foundation, Prof McGurk, came and kindly gave to our yeah. GP training cohort of around 50, G, uh, 50 GP trainees. And I think that was really, really well received, really excellent, you know, taught a lot of the GP trainees about how you should look, what you should, how you should do a math exam, what you should look yeah. out for. And I think by going through education and public health awareness to both sides, yeah. I really hope that we can um, look at trying to diagnose earlier, because from my experience, um, you know, the later with any cancer, the later you diagnose, the yeah. longer the treatment, the more side effects the treatment has and the worse quality of life and the impact it has on the patient. So uh, with everything, it's really about early diagnosis and early yeah, treatment. Yeah. Can I just ask you about that as well? Because um, uh, I know research, um, some research that um, we've done, we did in 2020, showed that almost um, over a sixth of men um, and a tenth of women never go to the dentist. But also um, it's kind of like a known thing out there that men are reluctant to go to the, their GPs. Mm. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a very interesting point. And actually, I think that's it's, it's probably quite difficult to answer, to be honest. I think um, probably, yeah, you are correct. And I think the statistics definitely is something that I've come across. Um, it may be um, due to maybe lack of public awareness, public like, lack of understanding about what you should be looking out for. Mm. Um, maybe, um, um, you know, maybe it's a kind of uh, personality thing where, you know, we men maybe don't want to go to, uh, bother the GP if, unless they're really in at a later stage I mean my, my dad's exactly the same he doesn't yeah. tell me anything whereas my, uh, my mom so you know it, it's very difficult to generalize but I think you know that that could be potentially down to but I think you know in moving forward I think it's important that we do what we can to raise awareness and uh, empower our patients to come to us if they're concerned yeah thank you so much for talking to us so <laughs> what uh, now everything's sort of yes. <laughs> what, well, what plans have you got yeah so we're actually still recovering because actually obviously mum went through the whole process and unfortunately yeah. had to have quite a long uh stint of radiotherapy so I think now things have started to calm down a little bit I'm hoping just to spend some time with the family and one things are settle down and maybe go away somewhere yeah
that would be good. Well, good luck yeah. to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Years, Vivek. And I look forward to working with you in the future. It's a really exciting um, partnership. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. So my final guests for uh, uh, this podcast are the wonderful... Well, it was going to be Hassan and Hussein from Yorkshire Dental Suite, who are actually twins. But we've only got Hussein here at the moment because I think probably Hassan's doing dealing with a patient, isn't he? Probably. Yeah. So, um, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I, I think it's first of all, it's wonderful that we've got you here. But it is kind of odd to have two brothers. First of all, to have two brothers who are dentists, and then two twins that are dentists. Um, so how did that happen? How did you kind of fall into dentistry? What was the path? Yeah, so um, first of all, thanks for the invite and really, really well done, Michelle, on the fantastic work that you guys do. Um, and yeah, so how we got into dentistry was we actually followed the footsteps of our father. So our father's an oral maxillofacial surgeon um, and uh, we, you know, we used to go to watch him do his work after school and, and it always seemed like a cool, cool job to go into. And then um, the other reason was because we actually witnessed a cosmetic dentist doing a fantastic smile makeover. And we saw straight away how much impact that had on the on the patient's life. So we definitely wanted to, to be a part of it. Yeah, that's interesting because there's a sort of a um, alignment there with us about this sort of the aestheticness of, of, of oral care. So but on top of this amazing dental practice that you have, which I've had a look at online and looks absolutely amazing, I have to say, um, you also you're bodybuilders aren't you you sort of yeah. quite famous bodybuilders that's a bit yeah. odd we love going to the gym we train about six times a week and we really, really live a healthy lifestyle which we feel is fundamental in uh, not only life but the job that we do as well you know yeah. it's in good shape wake up early um, have a great routine because um, we, we know we like to promote that healthy lifestyle to our patients as well yeah that's really good yeah that's that's really interesting because it's the fact that it all sort of connects together yeah. so yeah. Just what's it like being twins and working together? Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's like always having a best friend there working with you. Um, we know we bounce ideas off each other. We uh, sometimes treat, you know, the same patients or the same families. Um, and yeah, we really enjoy being in the same company and, and being able to be on the journey together. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you do, you do everything together then? We, do <laughs> together. we go to the gym together. We do most things together. Yeah. <laughs> so just to sort of, get get on to you know the 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 main core of what we're talking about um our first guest today was um Vivek and he's just qualified as a GP um and missed his the fact that his mother had oral cancer so missed that sort of diagnosis because she was being treated you know she'd she'd been to a dentist and she'd been to a doctor she, she hadn't been uh, hadn't it had they hadn't identified oral cancer so he's now we've done some work with him and he's really vocal about the lack of training in spotting signs of oral cancer amongst GPs as, mm. as well as dentists, but as GPs. So what are your thoughts about that? And I, I'm interested in this from a, from a dental perspective of seeing when something's wrong sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to, to not spot cases of oral cancer uh, for them to go, you know, missed and undiagnosed and the consequences are so massive that's why whenever we see a new patient at our practice, we always do a thorough initial examination. You know, we book out 45 minutes when a first when a new patient comes in mm. and we include a full oral mouth screening for oral cancer, uh, for any signs of oral cancer, any lumps, um, you know, any anything that looks nasty in the mouth, really. And we do take it really seriously. And the fantastic news is 
Um, you know, we've got a quick referral process. We've got great relationships with hospitals around us. And we also have a great relationship with a private clinic who can do biopsies and then we can take samples. And, and you know, the great thing as well is that we've got access to really experienced clinicians as well um, at our practice. So the likes of Dr. Abdul, um, who actually happens to be my father, who's, um, you know, a seasoned MaxFact surgeon who's who's worked in the hospital and has great experience yeah. and can pop his head around and, and, and give a second opinion and then take over things if need be. So, yeah, really grateful. Yeah, because I guess that's the thing is that one of the things that we found when we've been talking to people is that not everybody realises that their dentist is actually doing a check, you know, is actually checking for it. Because and I, and I recently went to the dentist, actually, and I was thinking this because that's normally the time the dentist is sort of chatting to you and putting you at ease. You know, you're sitting in the chair and the dentist is chatting away to you. Um, and I guess for me, it would it's I think it would be really helpful to sort of know. Do you ever sort of say to people, this is actually what we're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. So we always we're very vocal with our patients who so will say, we're checking the joints, we're checking the soft teeth, we're taking we're checking the extra oral, everything extra oral. Um, and then we go intraoral, so checking the tongue, the cheeks, soft tissues, and we just say, oh, no signs of oral cancer. Obviously, yeah. oral cancer, we rarely vocal to the patient as well. And then they're like, oh, phew, you know, so patients, yeah. that is, it is a thing. Do patients ever come to you saying, I think I've got something going on in my mouth? Do yeah. they ever come from that point of view? I think um, a lot of patients will just say, oh, can we just check what this is in my mouth? Yeah. But I feel like if they do think that something serious is going on, they'll they'll check up, check themselves into hospital. Yeah. Hospital. Yeah, they'll go to a doctor, sort of go down that route. So what right. do you do about, and this is the other thing, that we've just done some research, um, we did some research, and we found that less than half of women, that's 40% of women, and under a third of men go for a routine dental appointment um, at least once every six months. It's not good at all. And those, the, the thing in this country is that we have this culture of uh, and tradition of, you know, not bothering about your teeth. Whereas if we look at the US, the stats are fantastic. Yeah. I think it's like 78% of adults go to see dentists every six months. Yeah. Um, so there needs to be a culture change. And it's something that we really want to push forward with our, with our company and where we're heading um, with the franchises that, that we've got coming along is is really being able to change the mindset of the, of, of the UK citizen um, and promote dentistry and, and going to see that dentist for a checkup and uh, and making it kind of a bit more cool as well yeah uh, those stats definitely do need to change otherwise um you can i know you can imagine yourself how much stuff is going with mis- misdiagnosed as we speak yeah i mean we've we know that over a sixth of men and a tenth of women actually never go to the dentist at all and i'm kind of wondering if now one of the ways of maybe getting people to go to the dentist is through there's a big sort of selfie nation now isn't there of people want you know and also we see celebs with veneers and amazing looking teeth is that possibly a route to get is that a route you're going down to sort of get people to come to the dentist absolutely yes so through you know campaigning about looking after your teeth and, and building up the the fact that having a nice having a nice smile is is contributes to you being happier and more confident and having a you know happier life but I think there's not enough people promoting the health aspect of, of going to the dentist as well. Mm. You know, potential risk of you having oral cancer, for example. So I think if we put much effort into promoting the health side of things, as we do as promoting a, health, a pretty smile, then there'd be a massive, massive uptake in going to see a dentist. So our last guest, talking of going to the dentist, our last guest, Darren, he went, went undiagnosed with amyloblastoma for 20 years, 20 wow. years. Um, and I know that's a really a rare sort of tumour that's only really detectable by X-ray. 
Yeah. Um, he's now at the point because it went so undetected um, that he's having to have a portion of his jaw um, removed. He's he's at the stage of major works, so the beginning of a big journey for him, um, you know, to do. And he'll have to have implants and all that sort of thing as well to go on to it. Um, he's now started a really excellent campaign, which is saying for dentists to offer the chance of patients to have like a regular X-ray checkup, mm-hmm. you know, an oral checkup. Um, I just wondered what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, I think um, that sounds fantastic. I think it needs to be done by the right person. So, you know, a patient could come in to, to see a general dentist for an x-ray, but if that dentist isn't trained in spotting that kind of a, a condition, then, you know, it's no good. Yeah. So I think it's not just a, it's not just a one, it's not just one thing that's going to solve it. I think it comes down to a multi, you know, multi-pronged approach and being able to train dentists better, um, you know, more education, and then the hospitals and the NHS as well, being able to increase their facility and and the way they're able to support support the public as well. So, um, yeah, I think it comes down to a few different a few different ways and how we can work together. Yeah, and I think that that kind of joining that up would mean that more people would go to dentists because they realise that there's a health issue there as well that you need to be just as you would like if you you know had a lump or bump anywhere else or aches and pains anywhere else that you would go and say there's something going on in my mouth, you know, and actually a dentist is the expert in what might be going on in your mouth. Maybe not on that particular thing, but would be able to refer you to where you, you know, where where you need to go next. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, it's like those adverts on TV about bacteria living on surfaces when they show the graphic images and then you go, I better go to the supermarket and buy that spray to kill the bacteria. I think a similar campaign could be run for oral cancer. You know, this could be happening in your mouth. Go and see a dentist and get it checked out. Yeah that's brilliant thank you so so much for your time um we really really appreciate it say hi to your brother for us and uh, hopefully next time we'll see you both together and keep on doing your good work oh fantastic thank you so much Michelle. it's been a pleasure speaking to you and thanks so much for being back again no problem at all thanks very much bye for information support and advice including how to check your own mouth Look up hncf.org.uk or follow us on socials, search HNCF.